God is good. God is good. The testimonies of God can continue on for all eternity. Um, that is the truth. If you didn't get a chance to tell your testimony today, then uh, make sure you tell it before people go home. Be involved. God is active. He is working. The, the gospel writer said if we were to write down all the things that, that Jesus did, there would not be books enough to contain it. And how true is that 2,000 years later? The things that God has done, there wouldn't be books enough to contain it. And so we're so, so grateful that God is active. I love the community that's being built here. And in fact, today as we move into our Boxhead Sermon Series, the second message, we're, uh, we're talking about what we're doing, our vision as a church. Our vision as a church is every community experiencing God. And uh, every community experiencing God on every level. I looked around the room today and I saw little communities little tables, having conversations, every community experiencing God. I look in this space right here, I see a community, every community experiencing God. I look at our neighborhoods where we live and the streets that we just had street meet and greet barbecues all over the place, every community experiencing God. I look at the school catchment areas of Bradford and I say every community experiencing God. God. This is the call of God on our life. God wants to be known. God is making himself known, and he has chosen to use the church to do it. Let me pray as we get into this. God, I just pray that this community here today would be encouraged, would be built up, and would be, and would be built into a sense of confidence that you are going to do that which has not been done before for hundreds of years in this area. Jesus, I pray that you are going to act and you are going to move, and I pray that we would have faith to believe it, ears to hear it, and eyes to see the vision that you are calling us to. Jesus, I pray that we would be able to engage with it in all ways. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this church... We talked last week. If you missed last week's sermon, you need to go to our YouTube thing, wherever it is, promisechurch.community, I'm sure you can find it. Um, and uh, Devin's correcting us in Slack already. Thank you very much. And you need to watch last week's sermon because it's, it's crucial to what's happening inside of this church. I'm not going to spend time repeating it. But it does mean that we're going to plant more churches. They're going to plant more churches in Bradford. They're going to mirror the values of this church. Uh, we're going to be doing them all over town, but we're doing one at a time. And we're going to keep this community together because this community is the template for the other communities to launch. This community was started five years ago, and we had 27 people come and gather. And now we're going to be going out and saying, let's find those 27 new people. While we pray, while we're here, we're sending, we're meeting, we're continuing, we're going to go find 27 new people and go say, okay, let's go do this again and see every community experiencing God. It begs a really important question that the next three sermon series are going to be about how does a church know when it's ready to start another church? Over the next three Sundays, we're going to look at the three metrics of health that are going to let us know that we're ready, when we're ready, to plant another church. Throughout today's message, though, I'm going to encourage you to engage on Slack if you have questions about what it means for us to plant a church, where, or when, or anything. 
Put that in Slack today, and at the end of the message, I'm going to just take a couple of moments and engage those questions. So that's, uh, that's how we're going to do it. How does a church know that it's ready to start another church? Today, our first metric is healthy church has healthy community. Healthy church has healthy community. Our Bible verse today comes from Acts chapter 6. This verse has been my guiding verse for the past eight months. And it's so key for what is important and how we do it. So Acts chapter 6, 1 to 7. It's a story of the early church. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summed the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and it gets harder, Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenias, oh, yeah, sorry, glad this isn't attendance, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. You remember we talked about Antioch last week. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That's really good. So the passage, more than any other passage, has been drilled home to me, as I said, over the past year, in that we all have different roles inside of a church, Every single one of us has different roles. And I, I earlier celebrated just how much our membership is giving and, and the fact that everybody's an active giver. And I've never heard of that in a church before, by the way, so don't stop. Um, that is amazing. Um, but it's also this involvement. Everybody has a role. And I look around this church and I know that so many of us are engaged in a volunteer role. We're doing something. And I'm just so impressed. But, you know, it's about, it's about protecting and serving the community. That's what this passage is really about. And as I was reading it and studying it over the past months, the passage flipped on me. It was really interesting what happened here. See, I used to read it like the apostles were looking at all of the tasks that needed to be done, and they were like, poo-poo. You know, we can't, we can't soil our hands by, by serving tables. We have to go preach the word. <laughs> and, I, and I've always read it like that. But as I was contemplating and reading it and looking at it, I realized that I am totally looking at it through my perspective and not through the perspective of the disciples. See, the disciples, the apostles... They were protecting the service of the community as more pressing and more important than the preaching of the Word of God. What? When I read this passage, I read it like, like they're seeing what's going on. See, the apostles are trying to keep up with God. 
The situation is there are tons of Christians coming to Christ. We see that. Now in these days, the disciples were increasing in number. Tons of people coming to Christ. We see that the population of the church is growing faster than the infrastructure of the organization would be able to manage. A complaint arose. Sure sign that your, that your organization is growing faster than your infrastructure. A complaint arose. And, and this is what's happening. The apostles are trying to keep up with God. There was a lot of pressures on these leaders to do everything. If we read the book of Acts, you start to see what's, what's going on. They're trying to make sure that individuals are loved. It was the second greatest commandment to Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So they are, they are love my neighbor first. That's what they're doing. So they have to do that. They have to keep the peace. When the complaints arise, they are the ones who are solving it. They have to keep people informed. What's happening inside of this church movement? How are we changing? What's going on? We've got to keep the people informed. And Acts 5 says that they made sure that those who were needy got taken care of. Oh, and then they also had to make sure that the Word of God was taught and Scripture was expounded on properly with the understanding of Jesus. So it's quite a lot on these few leaders. And this is what they, what they discovered. When, they complained, when the complaint comes up that, that somebody's being treated unfairly, they're like, well, if no one else serves the tables, then we have to do it. It shows a priority. It shows a priority that the tables are served, that the daily distribution of food and money was what they had done. We saw that in Acts, Acts 5, the, the thing with Ananias and Sapphira. They come and they, and they lay their offering at, at the apostles' feet, and the apostles are the ones responsible for it. Now, I mean, they lied about it, and that didn't end well. Seriously, it was unfortunate. But don't lie about what you give to God. <laughs> That's a great fear fell upon the church that day. Um, but they were responsible for what they did. They lived as a community sharing everything in common. And it was mandatory that they took care of Jesus. It, or they took care of the people. Sorry, Jesus doesn't need taken care of. He rose from the dead. It's mandatory that they took care of the people. So the priority is community. And they realized that they could not do that and faithfully preach and prepare. It was unsustainable. Absolutely unsustainable. So because it was a high priority that they could not sustain, they charged the people, pick out from among yourself seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Notice, this actually wasn't a call for volunteers. This is an appointment. It wasn't like somebody's, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. No, no, no. No hands are up. It's among you, there are people that need to do this. Pick them out. Pick them out. And, and it's, a, it's a big affirmation. You qualify. Sometimes some of our personalities, we're actually, oh, oh, please pick me. Please pick me. We're like Donkey and Shrek. Sorry, it's still my favorite movie. Um, pick me. Pick me. And it's like this big affirmation thing. But, but really... Sometimes it's really about, I need you to do this. Stephen, you're a man of good repute. You're full of the Holy Spirit. I need you to do this. 
I don't know if Stephen wanted to do it or not. Stephen's going to do it. The whole group decided. They were like, no, we need, you, we need you to do it. And this is an example of, of the priority. Because it's such a high priority that even the apostles would stop what they were doing to make sure it happened. Healthy church has a healthy community. Even the apostles would have stopped what they were doing to make sure it happened. We need people to be doing the work alongside to have a healthy community. This community is so, so important. On Slack, remember to be asking questions about the church plant. I'd love to hear them. Healthy community is built on a commitment that creates closeness. This box hedge model of church that I'm talking about is... It shapes culture and it expresses in the second closest type of intimate relationship with each other that we have in our culture. Our most intimate relationship is marriage. A healthy marriage is built on commitment, not built on my feelings, not built on, on, not built on love. Love comes out of commitment. Healthy marriage is built on commitment, which you made a vow in front of God to stay with your spouse. That is the most intimate relationship we have. And, and what, we, what we do inside of church community is actually second most intimate. Because inside of church community, you experience spiritual intimacy with each other. You experience a spiritual connection with each other that is deeper than any other relationship that you have. In fact, I look in the room today and I consider, how would you have even known each other without Jesus Christ? Without the unity of the church, how would you have even known each other, let alone become closest friends? How would you have grown and walked through things? I mean, Potentially, you live across the road from each other, but you would not have known each other in the same way that you know each other now. Because spiritual intimacy happens in church community. See, we're only able to foreshadow the ideal of what this community could look like because we're still going to get it wrong. A complaint arises. Guys, let me tell you, complaints are going to arise. Complaints arise. And that's just what happens inside a church. We're not perfected yet. We know that. And so when complaints arise, we deal with it graciously. When something goes, happens at the church that we don't necessarily like, we deal with it graciously because we're committed to each other in our community because healthy churches have healthy communities. So the, the church body is actually a step between casual friendship that come and go and marriage. It's actually that middle ground where we are linked together. And culture, oh my gosh, the secular culture of Bradford needs this type of intimacy. I talk to non-Christians fairly regularly. And they say, I love talking to you, Rob, because I can have conversations with you that I can't have with anybody else. Why? Why can you have a conversation with me that you can't have with anybody else? Because I'm willing to lead spiritually. We're willing to have conversations about the things of God or even questions about God or spiritual matters. I'm willing to build spiritually intimate 
conversations. Our community needs this. As a box hedge, this is what we provide. Healthy church has healthy community. So let's, let's look at the, at the complaint here. The complaint by the Hellenists rose up against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Little bit of history. Whenever the church gathered, they would gather and, they would, and, and everybody would give. Now, because the church was a home model church, they didn't actually have to support a temple or a building. So all of their giving was able to actually go towards helping the minister have their needs met. Paul actually was a big advocate of that. And helping the poor. So they would literally gather money. And, uh, and there's a story in the, I think it was about 110, um, 110 years after Christ, and, uh, and, and they were in North Africa, uh, near Alexandria, and the church gathered. And they, were, they gave, and there's, there's, actually, uh, there's actually archaeological findings of this and, and, and the little, you know, the, the house church that they were in. And they would, and they would give, and they'd put it into little sacks. They would, they would actually distribute it, put it into little sacks. And then in the service, they would send somebody off with the sacks of money to go give it to the people who were infirmed and go give it to the specific believers who, who were at a distance. And they would, they would go and they would give their gifts to others. In the daily distribution, that's what, about, what it's about. But a complaint rose. See, there's private pieces of information that are being shared here. Finances are being shared. People are being vulnerable. There's a daily distribution of support. Everyone in the community knows the depths of the real needs. In our community, we try to hide our financial needs. We try to hide away. We don't want people to see us like that. We, we resist intimacy. I don't want people to see me. I want to hide. And so the early church actually has this openness that's so valuable. And, and the conflict arose, and even through the conflict, the community had to work together to solve it. It wasn't. This isn't what happened. A complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected by their daily distribution. So the Hellenists decided to leave and start their own church. That's not what happened. What happened was a complaint happened, and the community that was committed to each other in the name of Jesus worked it out. They set up a better system. They made it work better. They were committed to each other. And so this is, this is so key for us as a healthy church. Healthy churches have a healthy community. Healthy church community is one that's unified in commitment at its core identity. Our unified commitment to Jesus and, its, and the care for each other. For us to be a box hedge church, we need to be able to look at the health of our community. So there's some areas that we, that we need to consider before I get to questions that, are, uh, that, are, that could be talked about about the church plant. Some areas that we look at to say, how healthy is our church community and are we ready to plant? One of the areas is our forum Sundays and our Slack. Why is that important? Because on a forum Sunday, we gather together and we have open conversation and dialogue about what Jesus is doing. We gather together and we have these discussions that stretch us and challenge us. And sometimes we don't agree with everything. And that's okay. See, during the service is a way that your voice is heard in our community. And our sermons are influenced by your response. 
on a forum Sunday, we have a potluck right afterwards. And man, last, last forum Sunday when we had our potluck here and we were all sitting around the tables, it was beautiful. This is what we do. This is healthy community. The next one is experiential discipleship. Our, our practice of sharing our spiritual growth together, this people facing, what you just did, telling each other what God has done in your life in, 30, in the past 30 days, and the room just erupts with conversation. And I hope your conversation was directed to what has God done. I hope that, that we genu- genuinely did start to hear stuff that God is doing. And so a community that does spiritual practices together uh, experiences a form of intimacy that's not available anywhere else. So we strongly believe that our spiritual community should not make our spiritual practices or our spiritual experiences private. They aren't. They're actually for the building up of each other. Your spiritual experiences exist. Yes, you're molded by them. Yes, God shapes you. But if you keep them private, then nobody else is shaped by them as well. It's when we share them that we are all formed together into the image of Christ, that, that, the, that we are brought together into the maturity of Christ. Healthy churches have a healthy community. We have communities of care. As a box hedge church, people need care. I need care. I need people to care for me and ask me how my week was. You need people to care for you and say, hey, I haven't seen you in seven days. How was your week? What happened? What was exciting about it? What do you got planned for next week? We actually have to care. And so this is, this is so key. So our communities of care are built around this idea. We have promised grants. They build our communities outside of the four walls of our church. We invest... We invest in having integrity, not just as a closed-off community that's just for believers, but as an open community that serves the town around us. Healthy church has a healthy community. We do street meet and greets. Building the experience of the community on your street at home. Meeting neighbors isn't just about you who meets the neighbors, but it's, it's about neighbors who meet neighbors that wouldn't have had conversations without you. Let's be clear. We are not the epicenter of everything that community is. Jesus is, but when we just get neighbors connecting with neighbors, and we get neighbors, I was at, I think it was at Cheryl's Barbecue a couple years ago, and some neighbors came, and they had never spoken to each other, and they started talking to each other, and they discovered that they weren't just across the road neighbors here, in Bradford, but they were across the road neighbors in Etobicoke and never knew it. And they had lived on the same street two different times in their life at the same time, and they first met at a community barbecue. When we started doing community barbecues at my house eight years ago, it was really funny. Everybody would come to our house, and our house was like the center point where community happened. Guess what? We aren't the center point of community anymore in our, in our, on our street. The guy two doors down from me, he's totally stolen my role, and he, like, organizes community street barbecues, and, I mean, he invites, he invites his entire, like, a whole bunch of houses from the street to his cottage, and I'm like, well, you win. Jeez. That's why I had to buy a cottage. <laughs> Gotta keep up. 
It's not true. It's a healthy community, and as a church, we do healthy community. We consider adopt a street. We didn't do it this year, but next year we're going to again, where we pray for our streets. It's a discipline we have to get better at. It's an area of improvement that we have to do where we take our spiritual intimacy and we, and we allow that to impact our streets. Finally, our Make a Difference campaign that runs in, in December. Pretty much what that is, is is just go out into the community and do something. It's just, you know, $200, go do something that's going to help your community be better. So these things are measures of a healthy community. And, and all seven of these that I've mentioned, we are just doing really well at. With the, we need to improve and adopt a street. But there's one final measure of building a community, and sharing your faith is at the heart of building community. You can do all the nicest things in the world, but if you don't invite people into the life-altering relationship with Jesus and his church body, you miss the entire picture. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. These things are life-altering statements, life-altering truths that people need to know. People experience God in a couple different ways. Sure, we experience God personally. And we tell our testimonies to each other. I experienced God in the last 30 days like this. But we experience God vicariously. When someone tells you a story about what God has done in their life, you are sharing vicariously in an experience of God. When someone tells it to you, you are sharing it. And when you tell somebody else, they are sharing in the experience of God. And that is so key. I mentioned earlier that Israel was, was commanded, do not forget. Tell your children to tell their children. Continue with the story of God. Carry it through. Why? Because as you tell the story of what God has done, you are becoming more aware of what God is doing, and you have greater hope for what God will do. So tell your story. Share your faith. People experience God First, vicariously, through our integrity as a community and our good works. And second, they experience God personally through a corporate worship service or a prayer time on the street or through accepting Jesus, their Savior, Messiah, and Lord. So, at Promise Church, to be completely honest, we check the boxes of healthy community. Thanks be to God. We check the boxes of a healthy community that is one of the three markers that say, indeed, we are ready to plant. Our vision is every community experiencing God. Every single community. This is the will of God. And I know that because the Bible says so. God wills that none should perish, but all should come to eternal life. I know that God wants to be known by every man, woman, child on the face of this earth. And I can't be everywhere, but I can most certainly be here. And we can help people experience God. And so this leads us to planting churches all over Bradford, making Promise Church visible in every neighborhood and every town and every Sunday. So we can't plant all of them all at once. 
That's many years process. I'm not worried about that. But what I'm talking about here in our box hedge vision is preparing us when we hit all three metrics to say, indeed, now it's time to go. Now it's time we do it again. Now it's time we find those 27 new people and we say, let's go and build another Promise Church community. So today's metric is healthy churches have healthy communities. So I just want to take a look at just questions um, that, that we've got. Uh, the first question is, uh, one of our youngers would love to know what planting a church means. Well, because we are using a, uh, a box hedge, which is a plant, um, we're thinking in the words of, of planting, and so we want to start another church. That's what it means. It means starting another church. What amount of staff or congregation members would be required to move to the new church, and why? Um, so this is, uh, this is something that, that we actually recognize that, that our communities are always in flux. They're always changing. Uh, even if I look back five years ago, the staff that planted Promised Church, the only two that are left are Devin and me. Um, from there, we had four at the beginning. We've had one in the interim um, that's, that's come, and we've had two in the interim that have come and gone. Uh, we have a new one in Pastor Danielle. And so the staff is always changing. It's always in flux. And so the staff are going to be required, but we're going to do it in such a way that we're going to see just a shift of roles, and then we'll see, we'll see um, you, you'll still see me, you'll still see Pastor Danielle, you'll still see Devin, uh, we'll still be around, and, uh, and potentially we'll bring on more staff. Um, how far away are we trying to reach with planting a new church? Um, well, we're staying inside, a bound, inside the boundaries of Bradford. What a great question. We're going to stay inside of Bradford. Now, that was a crazy thought. When I first got this vision, I thought we were going to Mount Albert or Beaton or some other town because that's what church plants do. And as we started praying about it, it, was, it, it became shockingly strange that God was like, no, 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 look at Bradford. There's 40,000 people in Bradford and less than 1,000 of them go to church on a Sunday morning. Oh, there's 39,000 people in town. Why are we leaving? We're not leaving. We're to do another church. Because the other thing I've realized is that we are a community where if we get to be 1,000 people, then we lose a big part of our DNA. So I was like, God, what do you want to do here? And God's like, many small communities in unity. Every community experiencing God. We are united, but we're, we're going to be this group, and then we're going to be a group there. And I'm just so excited about that. How will existing leaders protect themselves from burnout when their leadership load increases? You know what? Acts 6 says, they appointed people who were full of the Holy Spirit. And that's what's going to need to happen. We need new roles, new volunteer places. We need people to carry load. I have an extremely important role that we need taken. And that is I need somebody to step up. And I'm going to allow it to be our Canadian culture right now where you can volunteer. But soon I'm going to take it to a biblical culture where I point. Um, I need someone to step up and say, I'm going to manage the contracts of the building. The 
the cleaner, the, the snowplow, the, uh, the gardening, the whatever, all the contracts of the care for the building, I need somebody to manage that because that has to get done. And right now, because it has to get done, it's being done by Pastor Danielle, and it's taking away from her opportunity to, to be where God has called her to be. So we're going we're gonna to just adjust things because it has to be done. And so we need somebody to step up and do that. So that's how we're going to be avoiding burnout, by simply saying, let's go. We, we've got people. Where are the complaint forms? Amen. Um, good. So slack. Um, someone... Uh, Someone said that, uh, that someone complained that the pews were uncomfortable, um, and, uh, and that complaint was taken care of graciously. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. How much freedom or latitude is right for a newly planted church? Great question. Community informs a lot of expression, but values and mission are vital. So you can't just allow for a community to express just au naturel because, well, we lose our, our meaning of gathering. We lose why we're gathering. So we actually put our mission and our vision and our values as the, as the scope of why we gather and what we're doing. From there, we're able to allow each community to express itself um, with its own personality. And so the question is, do we need more promised churches, or should we just foster more churches, whether they fully match the things that we've come to do? The reason I say we need more promised churches is because of the unique focuses that we have, the innovations that we've created that have developed community in such a way that we're more people-facing than other churches are. It's just a fact that the Christian church is self-directing. I'll take just a couple other questions here. Are there statements that I'm missing? You can read the statements. Um, so the three metrics, the first metric is healthy churches and healthy community. The second metric is healthy finances. And the third metric is escaping me. Oh yeah, healthy theology. <laughs> wow. Um, so the next two, two messages will be on that. How many schools are there in Bradford? Each school serves hundreds of children, including their families and grandparents. Um, so right now, the catchment areas, we're looking at 4,000 people per catchment area. And, uh, and there are, um, currently, there are eight public schools in Bradford. There are eight catchment areas. Um, someone, someone finally, and, and uh, this, uh, this one was a really good one. There's someone reading this right now who would make an excellent contract manager. Please, if you're the one, respond to Rob. We need you. Amen. All right, I'm going to uh, end this service today with a word of prayer. And I just want to tell you that I'm so excited about what God has for this congregation and what God has for Promise Church. And uh, I, I hope that you're catching the vision. We're going to talk more about it in the next couple weeks. And I just really want to encourage questions. Please keep on asking questions as we go on with this. So let's pray. God, I thank you that, that you have called us to a task that is too big for us, yet by your Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible for you. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would work in us the ability and the will to do that which you've called us to do, 
God, I pray that you would work into us every area of health so that health can continue to grow. Healthy churches plant healthy churches, and sick churches plant sick churches. So God, I pray that we would be a healthy church. And Jesus, I pray that as we work to influence this town for you, as we work to bring great Uh, to answer great needs of spiritual intimacy in this town. Jesus, I pray that your hand would be upon it and that you would continue to work in our multi-sites as much as you work here, that we know that we can come on a Sunday and meet with you and experience you and encourage uh, each other. In Jesus' name, amen.